This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome in to another edition of the Bartholomew Town Podcast. It's Bill Bartholomew here with you as I am every Tuesday and Friday and of course anytime on social media, Twitter at Bill Bartholomew, Instagram at Bartholomew Town, and of course you can join the Bartholomew Town Podcast Facebook group. So we have a very interesting conversation today. The United Way Rhode Island, they just announced a five-year strategic plan. They're investing $100 million into the state, and they're going to support nonprofits and a bunch of other things that you'll hear about today with Courtney Nicolato from United Way. And this is just one of those examples, folks, where when you think about the blend of private sector, public sector, nonprofit, kind of coming together around very specific goals in terms of uh, you know, the support structure for nonprofits, for example, or advancing specific policies when it comes to racial equity or housing, whatever. You know, these are the practical ways that things are getting done outside of the halls of government. So I thought it was really pertinent to uh, to have Courtney on and sort of go through exactly what this program is. You've probably heard a lot about it. They dropped this, I think it was what, like a, about a month ago now that they, they actually put out the... Um, the press release, so to speak, and the news media as a whole here in Rhode Island was covering this story. We go a little bit more in depth, find out how you can get involved as well, and uh, and sort of highlight this. This is really an, an historic investment into the infrastructure of some of the change makers here in the Ocean State. By the way, shout out to all of you who have been writing in, whether you've been listening to episodes here in season four. I can see that some of you are going back all the way to like season one, I guess, 2018, and listening to episodes, I think like the Lincoln Chafee episode from like May 2018 got a lot of plays in the last couple of weeks. So I don't know why that's happening, but thanks to all of you for that. You can send me an email anytime, bill at ripodcast.com. It's great to hear from you. Um, I've also been getting a lot of feedback on some of the recent pieces that I've done for the TV show over on Rhode Island PBS Rhode Island PBS Weekly, every Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, and you can watch it. If you don't have television, if you're like me, and you don't have television, you can watch it live streamed at ripbs.org, or just look for the links in my bio or over on on, uh, ripbs.org for the on-demand versions of that program. Um, If you'd like to support the independent journalism, opinion, analysis, entertainment that B-Town's become known for here in the Ocean State and beyond, well, you can become a B-Town Insider. Head to patreon.com slash Town, where for as little as $3 per month, you can help to sustain this program. I think I just gave out like 15 URLs and email addresses. So I hope you have your notebook out. I'm probably never going to do an opening monologue with that amount of information again. But hey, it's a special day. We've got Courtney Nicolato from the United Way here on the program, and we're going to go over this historic investment that they've made this is Rhode Island's podcast of record, B-Town. So let's talk about this. This is an historic investment that's being made here that, that I mean, frankly, when we think about any sort of successful programs, it always comes from an, an, an effort that's public, private, nonprofit sector, and different elements lead the charge. Here, the nonprofit sector is leading the charge. If you could kind of elaborate on, you know, this this united way, we'll call it, investment into Rhode Island, for lack of a better term. Yeah, you know, for 95 years, the United Way has been focused on exactly what you say, which is bringing the community together, having meaningful conversations, um, doing and changing systems, and advocating and influencing 
policy to really make the needed changes in our community. And so I feel like while this plan is new and this investment of $100 million over the next five years comes from our community, it comes from the donors who give generously to the United Way and to nonprofits throughout the community. It's our nonprofit partners who every day are killing it to serve in the Rhode Island community. Um, and it comes from uh, you know, the, the need and importance to really build and grow our community in a meaningful, tangible way. And that needs to start with racial equity at the very core, because you know, we can't put racial equity in some type of like frame. It needs to be all encompassing into everything that we do. And so, and because every single solitary data point proves that our black and brown community members, our communities of color who are doing incredible things in our community have not been given the same chances as you and I have. And we got to do a better job and give more resources to those that deserve it um, and just haven't been able to been given that pleasure. You know, I'm always surprised when, I mean, I guess it's not that surprising, but I'm, I'm, it's, it's interesting that there's a layer of denial when mm-hmm. it comes to that, that basic fact that you would think that at this point in human history, with the information that's available for people out there that we would collectively, and maybe most people are, and I'm just like zeroing in on a few trolls or something like that. But most people would understand that this needs to be amongst the absolute top priorities in our societal goals right now. Why do you think it is that, that we hear, we, we hear pushback on this notion from different people, you know, that and sometimes shocking pushback on this conversation. Yeah. And I think it comes in a very, a variety of different things. I think, you know, I think one first and foremost is, you know, it's a, maybe a lack of understanding into the depth of it. I think, you know, people are genuinely caring about humans around them. You know, I want to get that kind of out in the open. People want to help other people. That is, you know, 99, I'd say 99% of Rhode Islanders want that. I think what folks may not realize is the depths of the differences that have been given um, and the privileges that have been given to, um, you know, one culture, neighborhood, population, whatever it might be, to the other. And, uh, you know, and I use my own, you know, story as an example. You know, I grew up in a low-income community in Pawtucket. I, my parents worked incredibly hard and still do to this day. Um, I had people lifting me up in my journey, but I also know I had privilege. I also know in my journey, I had privilege. I had folks who gave me a chance. I had folks, uh, discriminatory practices were not a thing for me. Biases were not a thing for me. People gave me an upper hand. And I recognize that. And I also see that as a moral imperative to give others the same thing. Right. And so I think part of it is education. I think part of it is recognition that privilege doesn't need to be like this, like terrible, scary thing. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge the fact you have it and do good with it. Right. And um, so I think that's part of it. I think other folks have see maybe this perspective as a different Thing. And, and an example of that is folks might say, well, I wasn't given this and I turned out fine. Right. 
And I think we need to go deeper into that conversation to understand what they may be talking about, right? So that's what we want to do at United Way. We want to have conversations. We want to bring people together. We're going to, you know, we want to educate our community to really appreciate the fact that it's going to require all of us to listen, to learn, and to take action. And it doesn't need to be some big, scary thing. And one of the things we're going to be launching in a few days is a program called the 21 Day Equity Challenge. Mm -hmm. This is small every day for 21 days. You make a commitment to learning and we give you the tools to learn something new about what racial equity actually means and, um, and really grow as a human to understand and appreciate the people around you. And, and so that's what we want to do. We don't want it to be scary or we're not saying we're going to put all of our resources into one population of the state, but we also know if we put greater investments into serving the folks that need our services, that the whole community will rise as a result. Yeah. There's no question about that, that piece right there. I mean, it's, it's, it's basic common sense. It's basic economics. You know, it's interesting. I just, I did a, a piece on for Rhode Island PBS, Rhode Island PBS weekly on Rhode Island's ties to slavery and mm-hmm. the folks that overcame that and the abolitionist movement that was here in really the 1700s and then moving into the 1800s in Snowtown and Hardscrabble, the, the quote unquote free African villages. And it's, it's a pretty straightforward piece. We have historical experts, you know, it took, took months to analyze documents. We bring in the historic society, maps, graphs, you name it. And I posted it on social media this morning. And again, 99% of the people that, that I saw it were like, oh, this is, this is good to know. I'm learning something here. But yeah. there's that segment of people that are pushing back and saying, well, Rhode Island never had any plantations or we, we didn't have it. You know, this is, this is fake news or whatever. And it's like, how do you convince somebody that's unwilling to believe historical experts documents and never mind getting into post-World War II and the GI bill and, and land availability and things like this, you know, it's a, it is an uphill challenge to convince certain segments of the population that there's not an equitable game on the table. And that is, that requires a lot of, 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 uh, consistent, but also innovative educational pieces, I would assume. Yeah. And it also requires an open mind. Yeah. Right. And it, you know, and that's not always the case and that's okay, but you know, but it requires folks to take inventory of yourselves just as much as it is of the community around you. And that's hard. That's hard work and that's dedication. And, um, but I will say, you know, and, and I also get conversations from folks, you know, sometimes they'll say, Courtney, shouldn't this be about unity, not equity? I was like, how is that different? Mm. How is that different? Right? This is about unity. This is about equity. This is about ensuring that our neighbors are strong and safe so that our community around us will be strong and safe. And there will always be folks, unfortunately, but it's a reality. And I think there will always be folks that will say, I don't, I don't believe it. Yeah. And, um, and that's okay if that's what you feel and that's where you're going. But I will say through the launch of our strategic plan, through the conversations that we had as we were developing the strategic plan, it is unbelievable how motivated and how ready 
our community is to have real discussions around this topic and to have real discussions about support. And these were before the tragic deaths of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and so many others. Folks were ready and realizing that this is a place to go. And the, it's not just about the data. It's about our neighbors and our community and the fact that Rhode Island is small or tenacious. We got great energy. We're ready to go. And I think, and I've been so proud of our state through this process because I do believe it's 99% of the population here in Rhode Island are ready, ready to really truly uh, double down on, on equity. I, I think I, I would agree that. I, and I think it's time for that, that conversation to be removed from politics. It's not like, you know, people want to fall into, and it, it comes to this jingoism thing that, you know, people are like, well, you know, if you're, you're either a Red Sox fan or a Yankees fan and you know what I mean? It's like, well, you can be both or not like either one or just like baseball as a whole. Like that's all, that's nonsense. This, this conservative progressive uh, type of, of nonlinear thought process when it comes to these issues is really dangerous. And it's something that a lot of the, the work that goes on in the nonprofits that that you're providing operational support for, I think are they're trying to undo that and get it back to the, hey, on a human level, our state is better off. On an economic level, our state is better off if we have these conversations and address them and, and move forward. I mean, let's do it. Right. And, you know, I think one of the things that, and I've heard folks say, this is, you know, Courtney, this isn't political. United Way shouldn't be in political. And we're not. This isn't political. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I often go back to is, you know, let's think about um, our kids. And I'll use that as an example. So right now, the end of third grade, Rhode Island kids, you know, they're reading proficiency levels. And that's really important because as we think about the end of third grade, it goes from learning to read to reading to learn, right? So you make this like real big shift at the end of third grade. So if kids aren't ready, they don't have the foundational elements in place, they're screwed. We got a problem, right? So, um, so we really eye very closely on that. And we know a couple of things. One is right now, our white kids are reading at 68% proficiency at the end of third grade. I'm still not a fan of that number, by the way, but they are the top uh, in the state. Our black and Latino children are in 32 and 33% respectively. Yeah. I mean, come on, let's, let's, let's move it. You know, that's, let's call a spade a spade and let's dig down. And then we dig down deeper, right? It's, it is a lot of things. One access to books, access to culturally appropriate books, access to, um, you know, uh, Spanish books, access to um, mentorship, access to to pre-K, access to, um, you know, out of school time, after school learning and um, summer learning. Yeah. All those play into that. So that's not a political issue. Right. Some of it is funding and there's opportunities and all that kind of stuff, but like Mm -hmm. it's way deeper than that. And so, you know, I, I love having conversations when folks ask about, um, you know, that this is a political issue. I'm like, nope, this is a humanity issue and let's talk about it. Exactly. And you can see it play out in sectors like, like, um, like sports, you know, the athletics, the arts I've seen, you know, you see a, a, I always, I've used this example a lot of times in the podcast, but I refereed soccer forever and, and basketball. It's like my high school and college job. And I did it in New York as well. And then when I came back to Rhode Island, I, I did it part-time here and there. When you see a game between, let's say, East Greenwich and Central Falls, 
mm-hmm. you know, a Central Falls now actually has a nice, a, a wonderful facility that they've just opened. But going yeah. back a few years, you know, they Central Falls team, they're going to play at, at Jenks Park across from the Wyatt Detention Center, divots in the field, et cetera, et cetera. The, the uh, East Greenwich team, they're going to play at Karcheri Stadium with AstroTurf and a beautiful mm-hmm. PA system and this, that, and the other. When you're on the field, who cares about all those decorations? It's the same in, in music. I've seen bands or hip-hop artists or painters that have that come from sections of the state that have far less privilege or opportunity on, on paper than other places. And just the talent, the experience that shines through. And it brings you back to the, 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 the thought that at the end of the day, it's about human beings where we, it's, it's as cheesy and annoying and, and overused a statement as possible, but we're equal and our talents and our ability to, to interact with each other really is something that's more fundamental than our surroundings. And we just have to erase those, that, that idea that our surroundings define us and get back to the square root there. And I want, I want every kid in our community to be able to feel like they can see themselves yeah. in our community, right? They can see themselves growing in the community. They can see themselves thriving in the community. They, they can see leaders in our community that are representative of them. And, and we have to be able to do that, right? And you know, we, we have to get to this level. We have to go deeper as a state. Yeah, and no that, that's what I'm so excited about is that this, this plan was two plus years in the making. These investments are 95 years in the making. And then also we received this generosity from Mackenzie Scott to back this work up. So, and that's, she's backing that work up because she knows that this is the right thing to do. Right. So, um, so yeah, I feel like we got the parts are all moving in the right direction and, and it, but it's going to take the entire community to make that happen. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more with that. A safe, affordable place to call home is the American dream, but too many Rhode Island families, seniors and veterans are struggling to find a home or apartment they can afford, especially during the COVID pandemic. You can help change that by voting yes on question three to invest $65 million in the construction and preservation of affordable homes and apartments across Rhode Island. Vote yes on three for homes, for jobs, for Rhode Island. Learn more at yeson3ri.com. Paid for by Yes on Three. Another piece of this as well that's interesting is is nonprofits make up 18% of Rhode Island's workforce. So when you supply a backbone for these, these, the operations of the, of nonprofits in Rhode Island, you're also boosting workforce opportunity, work opportunity, and, 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 and growing, um, a sector that is oftentimes ridiculed in Rhode Island, which is lack of opportunity for, for individuals to find meaningful work. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it was something, you know, I, I worked with the nonprofit community before I left Rhode Island. Um, I spent 13 years outside of Rhode Island running national um, uh, partnerships and uh, leading organizations uh, globally and um, always wanted to come home when I, when I had the opportunity to come home and take on this role. One of the things I saw right away was these nonprofit organizations are being relied on a lot. And this, this was pre COVID. Mm -hmm. I saw that we were being leaned on in ways that in other communities, I had not seen the nonprofit community being leaned on. Um, That's everything from 
doing services that I would normally have saw in the state taking on or a private company taking on, um, seeing uh, the need for us to really be influencing or sorry, advocating for policy in a way that's really, truly meaningful here. We, I think it's just, it's, it's so much more. And I think part of that is because we're a small state. Part of that is um, because of our, you know, how we're geographically located. I mean, there's lots of reasons as to why, but, but one of the things I also saw was one, we ranked 46th in the country for per capita giving. And we, and two, I saw that there was not enough real supports for our nonprofit community to be operationally strong yeah. and sustainable. When I was in Dallas and I was a CEO of a nonprofit organization there, um, we had a tool or an organization, membership organization called the Center for Nonprofit Management. It was awesome. It allowed me to scale up when I needed to and not have to be the expert of everything. You know, mm -hmm. I had a $6 million, 60-person yeah. organization. We provided social services. That was our jam. We, was, we were great at it. But I could lean on this organization when I needed to buy hardware and software or when I needed to purchase um, or look into a new HR policy, um, or it allowed me to have this extension so that I can ensure my operational backbone was always where it needed to be. And none of that exists right now in Rhode Island. And so um, we've started to implement some of that. We did the nonprofit innovation lab last year, really at working with the social enterprise greenhouse to help elevate the great innovations that were happening and allow nonprofit organizations to have access to coaches and mentors and technology and other supports and funding for the, for that. But um, we want to incubate as part of the strategic plan, a nonprofit center like I had in Dallas. We want to give our nonprofit organizations every tool that they need in their toolbox to be successful so that they can keep killing it and doing awesome things in the community with their programs and services. But we have to stop. We have to take a step back and make sure we create an infrastructure that really works. That means things like being able to bring the community together to advocate on the, on the nonprofit community's behalf. We have one of the oldest 501 statutes, um, corporate statutes here in Rhode Island, it needs to be updated. And so we're working with the Secretary of State's office to do that. There's opportunities for us to come together and do some back office operations together and not have to be duplicative throughout the state. There's opportunities for us to have better academic partnerships so we can get more interns and we can get more research happening in the nonprofit sector. We can't do that if we're all doing our own jam, we have yeah. to do that collectively. And I'm excited to incubate this process and this program with the Rhode Island nonprofit community. I think it's desperately needed here. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think incubation is the key to success in anything, especially in a place like Rhode Island, where you have, you know, the, the, the there's a difference between, you know, your proprietary concepts or strategies or things that are going to make you as an organization or a whatever, an individual stand out. And the, the shared resources and ideas that can make everyone grow. And I feel like there's too many silos in all sectors of Rhode Island. I mean, you name it, there's, everyone has a fiefdom. I mean, it's like we have five fire chiefs in Cumberland, you know what I mean? Yeah. For things yeah. like this in yeah. the nonprofit sector, more integration is definitely going to mean more success. There's no doubt about it. 
Um, and there's a yearning for it. You know, I really yeah. do think that there's a yearning for it. You know, I've had lots of conversations when I first got here and still to this day, you know, every day I talk to nonprofit organizations and they're the biggest challenge that they're having. One is funding and two is their operations. And so um, and that was pre-COVID and, and during COVID, too. And, you know, I read a recent report. Um, late 2020 that ranked Rhode Island the fourth most likely to lose the largest amount of nonprofit organizations. And they listed operational sustainability as the biggest issue. And so we got to do work. Yeah. And that's exactly what this, this major investment, correct me if I'm wrong, it's a hundred million dollars over how many years will it be rolled out? Yeah, great question. So, you know, we, our goal is to invest $100 million over the course of the next five years with the Rhode Island community. That requires everybody to participate. Uh, And that means giving to your uh, favorite nonprofit with us in your workplace campaign, all the way to supporting 211, all the way to uh, giving on 401 Gives Day on April 1st. Um, We want to ensure that uh, we are investing collectively with our corporate partners and our individual partners uh, into the nonprofit community. So, um, and $10 million gift from Mackenzie Scott's a great way to kick it off. Yeah, no question about it. I think that would help any any organization or any operation, right? <laughs> right. Um, last question, how can people who are hearing this right now that are saying, you know what, I want to get involved. I can't give $10 million. Um, <laughs> I'm struggling right now myself to maybe to to pay bills or just scraping by or or just don't aren't in a position to, to give money or right. want to give money how can people get involved in, in in a number of different ways i guess yeah it's a great question and one of the things that i often say is rhode island needs your time your talent and your treasure yeah. right and it's actually all three is what, what's needed in the community not just one but start somewhere so first and foremost um i you know i have a couple of recommendations first if you're struggling if you're in crisis or close to it Call 211, available 24-7, 365, and in 200 different languages. We want to help you through that. We have many tools in the toolbox, whether it's utility assistance, rental assistance, whatever it might be, we can figure out what you might qualify for and help you through that crisis. I can't begin to tell you how many people who are in crisis who are donors now to whether it be the United Way or whatever organization helped them through their crisis. And so, um, you know, we also see if you do have a workplace campaign at your organization, consider giving. If you are able to give a dollar a pay period, every single dollar matters in our community. We need your support. If you are a graphic designer or you are in media or you are um, in accounting, Nonprofit organizations need your expertise. Either call your favorite nonprofit organization or call the United Way and say, how can I help? Because we are the experts in delivering programs. We are not the experts in everything. And so we need your expertise um, to help us volunteer. Also, you can go on to the United Way website to learn how to volunteer. So um, say you want to be uh, you know, a trained advocate through our process. We have advocacy trainings that we make available. If you want to participate uh, in a, as a volunteer in the community, we can match you with an organization. We need your help right now. Um, your community needs your help. The last thing I will note is learn and listen. Participate. You know, one of the key priorities that we have as part of the strategic plan is to increase the number of Rhode Islanders who participate civically. So we want more Rhode Islanders voting 
including voting yes on three and five on March 2nd um, for housing and childcare facilities. But also um, we want and need Rhode Islanders to not only use their voice, but use it as effectively as possible. Your voice, your opinion matters. Um, but taking the time to participate on things like the 21 day equity challenge is incredible. It shows you care about the community and the people in it, and you're willing to learn and listen. And so I would encourage everybody, regardless of income level, regardless of where you are, and I know how busy everybody is right now, but taking that moment to stop and listen and learn it could not be more important right now. Rhode Island's podcast of record, B-Town.